This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Welcome to What's Up, Doc? A medical podcast brought to you by Decatur Orthopedic Center and featuring Dr. Sams, Dr. Sullivan, and Newhoff Media's Luke Hiley. What's up, Doc? It's episode three. I'm joining you here from the Newhoff Media Studios. I'm here with Dr. Sams and Dr. Sullivan from Decatur Orthopedic Center. How are you guys doing this afternoon? Good. Doing great. Great. So, you know, I was just thinking coming in here today, I was thinking, you know, what's new in orthopedics? What's the hot topic right now? Um, The cutting edge thing that everybody's talking about in orthopedics. You know, I think hands down, the first thing that comes to mind is smart implants, smart technology. Um, There's a, a smart knee available, which is going to absolutely change the game on what we can know about the implants um, and how they're doing and performing in our patients. Um, so that undoubtedly is is the most timely hot topic of what's new in orthopedics. Mm-hmm. So what is, what, so we, we know what hit, let's know, let's start, let's start with what is a knee replacement in general, not necessarily um, a smart knee replacement, but what what's the what does a knee replacement look like? So the short description, this is kind of like a, um, a add-on to previous episode when Dr. Sams was talking about the, the tire analogy is really good because people, they say re, the replacement, and they think that the whole, the whole knee has just been kind of cut away and replaced. Better way to think of it is probably a better word is like resurfacing. So you open the knee, and those diseased areas uh, of cartilage, you know, and, and using uh, proper instruments, almost like carpentry, if you think about it, guides and bone saws and everything, you cut away that diseased surface and you simply resurface it. So at the end of the femur bone is a kind of a shiny metal called cobalt chrome. And then on the top of the tibia bone, is a kind of think of it as like a plate or like a table of titanium. And between those two goes a piece of plastic, a very highly engineered piece of plastic called polyethylene. And um, depending on the surgeon, sometimes you redo the, uh, the patella, the kneecap. That's the, that's about 15 years of orthopedics and 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. What, um, so what is a, what does a smart knee replacement tell you? Well, first off, a smart, a smart knee replacement gives us a lot of data, and I'll go into that in just a second. But a smart knee replacement is exactly what Dr. Sullivan said with a microchip and a battery. And the battery is the same one that they use in a pacemaker. So it's not new. It's not a you know a new, new issue um, there. It's very biocompatible. And the microchip has six different gyroscopes on it, right? So the same way that your smart water, you know, your smart wristband tells you how many steps you've taken and how far you're doing that rhythm that as your knee goes through that uh, add on to the bottom of the tibial base plate is a smart stem is what we call it. And that's good data. And it will tell us, you know, how many steps you've taken, how far you've gone, how many steps per minute. So your speed of your walking, um, it'll tell us your range of motion. It will tell us a lot of interesting data as you go through the recovery. 
And so it reports it to the cloud. And so at home, the patient will have a base station that they hook up to their internet. They, they have internet at home, plug this in, get it set up. And so they're really done at that point with anything technologically sound. They walk in their house, it connects, bam, it sends it to the, the, the cloud, it sends it to me, their surgeon, and they get the data too on their dashboard. So we get, and it's really neat because the data also puts together what we are calling, or what they call recovery curves. Recovery curves are a way for the patients to be stratified by age and sex. So you can compare yourself, if you're a 74 year old gentleman, you can see how you're doing compared to your peers. Now, there's a lot of other factors in there, kind of where you started, what your overall disease profile is, other injuries or, or comorbidities. But the bottom line is, is we can follow your progression and say, you're on the right track. Look at where you're at. Um, I found it to be very, very useful data because in the early recovery, we have really, everybody wants to know, how am I doing? Am I doing good? They're invested. They want to do everything right. How am I doing? And to be able to show them graphically and say, you're doing great. Look at this. You're in the 75th percentile compared to peers. You're off the charts good. Relax. It's okay. And in the same way, you can have somebody that's a little bit sluggish, right? And I'm not saying that because of lack of effort. Maybe there's other factors in there that go into play, but hey, we need to kick it up a notch, right? Maybe we're falling off our curve. We were starting at that 50th percentile, but we're, we're going down into a level and I'm going to say, whoa, 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 what's going on? And so it can alert me as their surgeon to say, why, right? So there's flags in there. And as we have, you know, Dr. Sullivan gets patients from far away, right? People come from far and wide to receive his surgical expertise, and so to be able to have something that somebody may be hours away and you'd be like, yep, Mrs. Smith was, was doing fantastic today. Look at this. Or I'm concerned what's going on. You either make a phone call, get her up here for a visit. It is going to transform the way we connect with our patients. And again, given that joint replacements last so long, to be able to have this where we can look at that and in the future say, hey, it's starting to bother me. Let's turn this on, right? The, the battery is selective. It, it turns on. It's on a lot at the beginning, but then it goes into hibernate mode mm -hmm. so we can get more out of it. So maybe 10 years out, you say, my knees bother me a little bit. Well, let's turn it on, right? Let me get the data from this and I can look at that, but I don't need to monitor every single day in the, the normalcy of the first decade and be like, I wonder what's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, this brings up, we might as well get right into this too, that what what are people uncomfortable with, with regard to this technology. Maybe some people kind of, one of the first thoughts they might have is like, I don't know if I want that level of scrutiny. You know, what I'd say to that is feedback is always good, you know, and this is not just for the patient. So in general, the patient is going to see that they're, how many steps and what their range of motion is. And then they got this recovery curve that kind of puts the whole picture together this is the very exciting thing for me because it really usually fits the picture with the patient, right? But let's say somebody had a pneumonia or a hospitalization and you could literally see the change when they've had some kind of physical setback. It's excellent to see a concrete representation of that and it's a stimulus or motivation to go like, yeah, I was on the right track. There's when, when things went a little bit wrong. So feedback is always good. And this is, like I said, not just for the patient. One thing that is, I think everybody should be excited about is surgeons are going to be held to a standard for this. 
because for years, you know, we have these articles, all this science. There's talk about, oh, the average range of motion with this particular implant. You're kind of like, well, how do you really know? Who's measuring it? Physical therapist, some resident at some crowded university setting. You don't really, those are not accurate, those scientific articles. Well, this can, I mean, there's no arguing about it. This is in the knee. This is as accurate of data as you could get. So kind of, I'm putting the cart before the horse here, but I see this as something that in the future is going to be standard. And we are then, can you imagine, over the country going, you know what? I don't do this and this in surgery, and I'm behind. My numbers are not as good compared to millions of cases, not just like, eh, I think I'm doing something wrong. No, I'm doing something wrong. I need to get better. So that's one of the things that I'm very encouraged about is this is going to be something where surgeons can concretely say, you know what? I don't do this. I should do this. I don't do this. I should do this. I don't use that. I should. So to make the proper changes, that's one thing I'm very excited about with this. I like to use these car analogies because every day I wake up, I get myself ready, I get my cup of coffee, and I get my car, right? That's and my car tells me what's going on, right? It's, hey, the you know, if, if there's a concern, check engine. So I equate this, you know, our bodies are... Our, our, our function is more valuable than any vehicle you could drive. And we're investing in this and to have a, the ability to be like me buying a brand new vehicle and not having a check engine light. Why not? And I'll tell you flat out, there's no contraindication to using it. There's nothing that you say, hey, I can't. The only reason that we sometimes have patients choose not to is they don't have internet at home. Um, I, I know that there's people out there that are not interested in in having uh, a lot. You don't need a lot of tech. You need a computer and an internet. Mm -hmm. That's it. But if you don't have that, I'm not going to ask you to go buy that to do this, right? If mm -hmm. tech is not a part of your life, or let me say, if internet's not a part of your life, I'm not going to ask you to if, for it to become that. But it's something that you could do. So is this an open platform? How does the, exactly how does the technology work as far as the platform goes? At this point in time, the this technology is proprietary to Zimmer Biomet and Canary. Um, Zimmer Biomet is a leader in orthopedics. Um, we use a, a lot of their different joints, but they currently are the only company that has a smart implant. Um, they are investing billions of dollars into the the technology space to make this a uh, not only the data part, but an integral part. You know, we are living with these joints longer than ever. And so it is exclusive to Zimmer Biomet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Dr. Sams and I are always sensitive about being gold standard guys. And I can tell you that fads come and go in orthopedics and, you know, new things that pe people jump on. We had a, a mentor who said a great thing, always stay two fads behind. This is real. This is, we're getting real data. This is real, true, excellent technology. And I wanted to, you know, I want to put it out there. We have used this particular company, Zimmer Biomet. That is what we have always favored. And it so happens that they are the company that comes out with this. So 
I, I want, I'm a little bit sensitive about that. I don't want people to be thinking of us as guys who are just going out and looking at some, looking at some cool, marketable, wacky science fiction stuff. No, we are um, well known to Zimmer Biomet. Zimmer Biomet is well known to us. And as this technology has emerged, where we have bypassed fads left and right, and we could talk, that's five other episodes about things that we've let drift by us. This is something we identified immediately of great value and got on board. And we are, um, we're actually, this is a funny thing to say, being right in the middle of Illinois in a little town, we are national leaders on this. And this is, we're comparable to large university settings in, in big towns where, um, you know, this is being done a lot. And our numbers for these and our involvement with the advancement of this technology is up among the, the top places in the country. I mean, that's a... No, I completely agree with that. And I think that, um, you know, a few extra, a few other points to this is that this does not change the knee replacement surgery. It does not add time and it does not add cost. So that one can't the, be stated enough. One of the things that, you know, some people introduce new technologies and it's like, but it takes me twice as long to do it. I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. This does not add time. It does not add, add complexity. And to say it doesn't add cost either. It's not something that the patient says, yeah, I want the smart knee, but it's going to cost me an extra few thousand bucks. Not the case. So um, I think it is for everybody. It really is something that we can all. Uh, you know, embrace as we go forward. The barriers right now along those lines, we are just now in an age where there are still people alive that are not just not tech savvy, like are no tech. You know, mm -hmm. my father-in-law, George, God bless him, Papa, guy doesn't even have a computer, doesn't want a computer, doesn't want the internet. Just made him get a smartphone recently, right? And yep. it's just... The case, there's people who are alive that are like that. In in not so many years, the, everybody will have been brought up with a certain amount of technology. So right now, it's just one of those things. The only people that, like Dr. Sam said, we're not going to go force you to get a computer and go force you to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. It's not like that. But back to my statement that this is going to be the standard and everybody is going to have it one day, it's because everybody's going to be tech savvy. They're going to live with this kind of technology. And this is the kind of thing that everybody could and really should have. Well, and speaking of technology, you know, we, we, you know, before this, we were part of this and, you know, you have this phone in front of you that does so much. And how many times in life have you said, had that thing like, why can't this be better? My phone does this. If my phone can do this, why can't X, Y, or Z do this? Right. Mm -hmm. And you get to this point in healthcare, and healthcare has its own unique challenges, but you're like, why can't this be better? And I think that this is that. I think that this is that where you say, you mean I can tell, my knee can tell me how it's doing, I can tell my, how my recovery is doing, and this isn't like, how do you feel? This is objective data. And so you get that, and we have this platform called My Mobility where it gives you the data. I mean, we used to give a binder of information to our patients and be like, here, here's the next six months. Here you go. Read it, highlight it, come back with questions. 
And now we have apps that walk you through and, hey, day three, this is going to be a tough day. Maybe you want to ice a little bit more and give you the information you need Mm -hmm. in a piecemeal fashion. That is better, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at the compliance and you said, how can I know if my patients read that? I'm going to argue that the vast majority of people are not going to read all that information. But if I give it to them in bite-sized information at the time that is relevant to them, that's better. And so that may be the, the, the now that's the cool new thing in orthopedics where you can undergo a big surgery in a, in a fashion where you got the right information at the right time and it's given good data so you can make real-time decisions. That is a really exciting use of technology in orthopedics. Does this cut down on the need for follow-up appointments, the number of follow-up appointments? I think it can. I think it will. But I also think that we honestly see a cut down uh, or a decrease in the number of, of phone calls. So my, our teams will get less phone calls because if you get an app and it says, you know what, day five is the expected experience this and this is normal. You don't get that call saying, is this normal, mm-hmm. right? So we definitely see that. Now, I think in the future right now, uh, or excuse me, I think in the future, uh, we will see maybe decreased visits, especially going back to where we're talking about patients come from far away. You know, I'll never forget this. We can go back to the family reunion conversation. I had a lady come up to me from Texas. Now there's a lot of good medical centers and surgeons between here and Texas, but she was at a family reunion and and her cousin was a patient of mine and she had her shoulder replaced and she came up and said, I want that. I want what she has. And so she drove up and we did her surgery. It's hard to do follow-up when Mm -hmm. you're (laughs) from Texas. So if you had a a connection where you're like, hey, you live, you do your thing and I can get that information and we can see, again, really very useful uh, technology. Another way of answering that question, though, does it cut down on follow-ups more in the long term? The thing that I'm very excited about with this, I firmly believe that this is going to make us all better. I think we're going to learn about the implants. We're going to design better implants. Surgeons are going to be held to a higher standard. Uh, Patients are going to be motivated by, you know, the feedback. And you put all those together, and then you're doing a better job and there's, in the long term, there's going to be less revisions. These things are going to last longer. So the long-term answer to your question, yeah, this is going to cut down on healthcare dollars spent on higher satisfaction. So, um, you know, I right now, this technology is, it's by no means crude. Anyone who would say crude, does it just be the wrong words? But the fact is, it's like some range of motion data some steps, you know, we kind of put a little bit more together. You know, there's a few curves where we put the information together, but not a whole lot more than that. This is the first generation, the first iteration. And I foresee this being something that it's going to tell us about how the knee moves. We call those kinematics in orthopedics, Um, about stability, not just range of motion, but, you know, is this knee stable? Is that stability based on the, the joint being unstable or a patient's weakness? There's even talk about it being able to detect changes in temperature and the chemicals. And, and you're like, whoa, that's gout or whoa, that's an infection. That's where this technology will ultimately go. This is going to be a useful interactive tool. And that is, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit science fiction, but that is incredibly exciting. Mm-hmm. What's the... Has there been any, has there been any pushback, you know, maybe like, uh, 
Billy Bob lives an hour south of Effingham, and he yes. thought that Bill Gates was injecting a microchip into him with the COVID yes. vaccine. Um, I'll tell you what, I don't, you know, and I don't ever hold that against anyone to have, you know, healthy levels of, of doubt and, you know, skepticism about technology and government. That's fine. And we accommodate those things. So if there is a guy, I mean, here we are, we're in central Illinois. We all know that guy. <laughs> He's good buddies with us, you know. Dr. Sam's golf's with them. You know, I go to church with them. You know, it's like, and there are those people that say, no, I'm not. What is that? Right. Mm-hmm. And fair enough. You're nobody's going to twist your arm into it. Um, and I can just guarantee you that it's just a little darn antenna that sends us some steps and some range of motion data. It is n- not any of that, but I'm also going to not sit here and try and convince you otherwise. Right. If you're, if you are convinced, so there will, there's no twisting of the arm. But what I would say is, I encourage everybody could, if they could look past it, you're doing not only yourself a service by getting feedback and learning about it, you're also your fellow man by helping advance the the art and the science of joint replacement. Um, you're helping your doctor. So, hey, if you're stuck on those things, that's fine. You know, there's, mm-hmm. you know. It should be you know. said that there is no GPS in this, right? So, <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and again, I always joke like, you know, because that has came up and people are like, I don't want anything to track me. I'm like, then you better get rid of your smartphone, <laughs> right? Because yeah. they're already tracking you yeah, through that, right? Yes. When my phone, dish. when it's when it's Thursday and my phone says, looks like you're going to this place or that, mm, you're yeah. like, yeah, you know exactly where I go when I go there. You're telling me my schedule. So I think it is important to say that it's not that. There is no tracker in it. But I understand the concern um, with that. You know, it's funny. I have a, a short story to to share, I had a patient who was doing fantastic. We were talking about the recovery curves and I was talking to him and I saw him at six weeks post-op. And then the week before that, his numbers went way down. And I, you know, you can dive into it by the day. And I was like, man, it looks like on that weekend, you really didn't do a whole lot. Is it okay? Like, did you have like, was it a bad day stiffness or did you have to ice it a lot? And he goes, I was fishing. He goes, I just decided I was going fishing. So he's five weeks out from his surgery. He's standing in the stream. He's fishing all day. He goes, I didn't move a whole lot, but I was really happy. I was like, okay, good to know. So I didn't know where he was at, right? But I knew he wasn't moving as much as he had been, but he was having a good day just fishing. But there's no really, you know, the technology thing, and that's just one thing. We we don't expect an 89-year-old lady to, you know, be too tech-savvy. Um, there's some of that, you know, mistrust of an implant put in there. The other thing that has come up, and Dr. Sam's mentioned this, is the battery. Is this some kind of hazardous material? The best way to put it, it is the same similar technology. We have these types of technology in the heart, you know, and it's the same battery as a pacemaker. Um, so as far as, you know, commu- interactive communication, that technology exists. As far as the battery goes, you wouldn't hesitate to put this in your chest to take care of your heart. It is, um, it's not hazardous. So that those probably three things. Mm-hmm. You know, is there something in, that going in here that's going to hurt me? No. Um, mistrust of getting it put in there. Uh, I okay, I get that. And then just tech savvy. But other than that, there's no barriers. And as these things uh, fall to the wayside, 
this again, I've said it probably three times. This should be the standard. It's going to be the standard. What percent, uh, what, currently, what percent of knee replacements are smart knee replacements, at least for the two of you? I would estimate 60%. Um, now, there's a few differences because we, we have patients that are very young. We have patients that are older. We have the technology component of it. Um, so, you know, there's there's different styles, again, of, of what type of knee replacement. You know, it's not available yet for uh, partial knee replacement. So if you do a partial knee replacement on somebody, it is not capable of having that, that smart knee function. Um, I think it will in the future. So that's, that's my short answer. Yeah. And you know, we're not in the spirit of, of you, we're not looking to put them in people that we think we're going to have good, you know, outcomes in the spirit of everybody in the future getting these, Hey, I, my, I think, in fact, my first one was in a guy whose other leg was amputated. So you, uh, you know, and then I have, we have people who are overweight or who have terrible deformities of the leg or who come to us with horrible range of motion. And the, you know, the surgeon might say, I don't know if I want to put the smart knee in there because it's going to, you know, my outcomes are not going to be great on this or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. No, you, you, we have from the get go, all the hardest cases in the spirit of everybody getting it, we've from the get-go, we've been putting them in um, everybody, everyone we can. Mm-hmm. I think that definitely says a lot about you guys and honestly about the mentality of surgeons in general. The fact that uh, you, Dr. Sullivan, have talked multiple times about how not only is it important for the patients, but it will allow surgeons and doctors to be held more accountable for basically how good they are at their job. Yeah. And you know what the thing is too, this is a push in medicine in general, call it, there's a bunch of terms out there, but call it performance-based. And there's, I mean, there's government programs for God's sakes, trying to figure out surgeons' performances. And how do you do that when a certain area that, that more people are overweight or they're from a certain area where there's more drug and alcohol use, and there's going to be complication. You know, there's you you really can't standardize the the performance, right? So everything we can do to truly know how we're performing, we have to do if that's the way things are going to be going. Um, and this is again, this technology is going to it's going to be the thing that the the surgeon really has to look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. So I, I've heard you mention range of motion a lot. Is there is there a metric that you feel is the most important metric as far as smart knee replacements go? Uh, one that if you see dip down might let you know that there is an issue. I think that is really uh, a subject to opinion and needs to be bore out more in the literature. Right now we're using really the the six or seven different measures to figure that out, right? And I think that that's part of it. We're part of an ongoing study um, where we want to look at if if there is a way to quantify which one of those. And we're talking about a gate quality index where you can kind of put a combination of those together. Mm -hmm. I think that we may need to use maybe uh, artificial intelligence and we come up with that algorithm. To me, I will tell you that range of motion is very important. If you can't sit, you know, 
past 90, your knee flex more than 90, you tr- struggle with stairs, um, you struggle with getting it out of your car, those things become more challenging. So that's an important thing. Now, the other part of that, that where there's some interest here early on, is your gait speed. How quickly are you going? As and does that correlate with satisfaction? So we're looking at that. I think that it all is very important, but I think that you also have to talk about where did that patient start, right? If I have the gentleman that plays tennis six days a week, right, and his BMI is 22 and he is a fit individual and his needs and expectations out of that knee are very different and his what trigger is going to make him say, I am now satisfied versus somebody else that may have a much different clinical picture and they haven't bent their knee past 90 degrees in 20 years they have it's a bowed leg it's it's unstable and you give them a stable knee and they may only flex to 100 and they love it it is mm-hmm. life changing good yes. and so it's not it really isn't fair to say that there's one and i'm not saying you you've asked that it's really hard to say that there's one metric that says this is the golden uh ticket to understanding what makes a knee great it really has to be Slightly different, but I do think that there is an algorithm out there. I do think mm-hmm. that there is a metric, a metric, and I think that that's where we come back with the gate quality index, yes. um, a, a number that what does represent because it does not currently exist. Mm-hmm. And I, I reiterate too that that range of motion is the first thing with knee replacement. Nothing happens until you got your range of motion, whatever it's going to be, till you've maximized, optimized your range of motion. After that, you get your full strength. And when those two things are in place, you get your full, you know, pain relief and and satisfaction and quality of life. That I just want to reiterate that. And then kind of what Dr. Sams is talking about, he hit on the, the thing that I am starting to see is the thing, which is this gate quality index. And I won't bore you too much here, but right now we got five or six little charts, right? And the thing is, I'll be going through my patient and I'll say, hey, she doesn't have the ideal range of motion. She doesn't have the you know, ideal number of steps. She loves it. This person here has a ton of steps and has the best range of motion and is not loving it, right? So like, I'm a little bit confused on what the data is telling me until we get to this one thing, which again, not going to bore you with this, but the gate quality index is kind of like putting the whole picture together. And I'm excited by the fact that that little chart there seems to match the patient. Mm -hmm. So this is my point is we're going to be able to see these things on a chart that goes, all right, we're set or, Hey, we need more work here. And that one thing that Dr. Sams is talking about, that gate quality index is starting to become the thing to me that I think is going to be very valuable to us. Mm -hmm. Great. Awesome conversation, guys. This is the type of stuff that I think makes this podcast it's endlessly interesting to me, and I'm sure our listeners are loving it too. So um, really appreciate you guys taking the time. Uh, reminds me of our friends at Zimmer Biomet are listening in. Awesome sponsorship opportunity today. They got a couple of plugs. Absolutely. So we really appreciate that if our friends at Zimmer Biomet are listening today. Nice. <laughs> All right, guys, I appreciate it. Um, You guys have a uh, great rest of your night, and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.